Hello, everybody. It's time for another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. As always, thank you for joining me on this sports podcast. Well, we have a lot of sports to break down this week in July. UFC 264, I'm talking to Jose Young's again, MMA Fighting Zone. Jose Young's breaks down the McGregor-Poirier trilogy fight that was stopped after the first round. McGregor breaks his leg. Terrible ankle injury for him. Bad blood still raging on. We break down the fight. What's next for both men? The rest of the card, Taivasa doing a shoey, the interim heavyweight title fight in the UFC coming up next, why that's a curious decision, and uh, some more stuff including Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder getting postponed, and Jose's Phoenix Suns, the local Phoenix Suns, two wins away from the final. And then I talked to Nick Morton for the second time on this show, the halfway point of the baseball season, we break down the All-Star Week what the MLB standings look like, how are we surprised, what the second half might have on store, uh, some hockey talk as well with the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup, and some bonus Euro talk as well. It is Jose Young, followed by Nick Morton on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect, fresh off the heels of uh, probably poor wording on my part, but UFC 264 <laughs> from Las Vegas. It's Jose Youngs from MMA Fighting, and uh, Jose, there, there really, there really is a lot to like about the sports world this time of year. First of all, thanks for coming on, but having a crowd and having a big event in Vegas with fans is like the closest thing to normal, especially in the fight game that I can think of in a long time. Yeah, I mean. You walk in there, like you walk in, there's, like to put it in perspective, it was, I think on fight night, or it was ceremonial lands, is one of the two, it was the hottest day in the history of recorded, in the recorded history of Las Vegas. It has never been hotter than that day. And there were maybe 2,000 people in line, standing outside in the sun, mm. on the hot asphalt, waiting to get into the arena, and they lined up about an hour, hour and a half early, so... To say fight fans missed fights in a crowded venue, it would be an understatement because I saw two people pass out just waiting to get in. Uh, so it was uh, it was a wild scene in Las Vegas, that's for sure. Well, 264 had uh, obviously headlined by McGregor Poirier, which we'll get mm-hmm. to in a, in a second. But, you know, I, I think obviously there's a lot that comes, comes to a Conor McGregor fight card, one that he headlines. But interesting points that I that I notice I guess I never really put two and two together is not only is he such a draw but Jose in the past and, and this is still kind of it they they let him kind of stay in on his own like they don't really load up a lot of his fight cards I guess I just hadn't really noticed that before there were some good fights on this card but they really are just you know banking on him his star power the matchup itself the other fights were good but wasn't the typical let's load this card up with fans back that you might see for other events well, they don't need they don't. It's the boxing method. Like people yeah. are gonna pay for the main event no matter what. So, uh, give them some really high quality. Like obviously, you just throw Sugar Sean on there, throw Stephen Wonderboy Thompson on there, throw like Carlos Condit and Michelle Pereira and Nico Price on the card. So like a bunch of like really action packed fights, but no like title fights, no number one contender fights, no nothing like that. Just a massive main event and then a bunch of fun fights underneath it. Certainly was uh, the McGregor Poirier fight, the trilogy, which we we thought was the the end chapter, may not be the case. But Jose, I got the sense from the outside, as I'm sure you did, that this one felt different. It felt really nasty and personal early, like it was ramping up to a place it probably shouldn't. And it's not that surprising 
at least I would think, that the results and some of the things that were said and done leading up to and then after the fight got to this point. Did you see it the same way? Um, I would say it was pretty one-sided in terms of uh, aggression. Like Conor McGregor was obviously just being Conor McGregor. I, I'm pretty confident when I say uh, Dustin Poirier was, didn't really pay him no mind. As he said, it was just all noise because it did feel different. Like Conor was – I think a lot of people in the media felt like, like – they phrased it as, oh, he's just playing the greatest hits. Uh, he's not really coming up with anything new. He's just lashing out to lash out. So uh, I would say it was it was pretty aggressive from one side. I think Dustin took a few of the things a little serious. I, I think he, after he won, he kind of spoke out. But on the build, lead up to the fight, it was pretty much just business as usual for him. He's been in a million big fights. And to us, like a lot of people on site, it felt big, but it didn't feel as big as other Conor McGregor fights. Maybe just because there was nothing at stake. If that makes sense, there was yeah. no like heated rivalry back and forth talking between Diaz and McGregor. There was no number one contender fight. There was no title on the line or any, anything like that. It was two guys that were just going to make a bunch of money fighting each other, and that's perfectly fine. It just did, it felt a little different. It felt pretty one sided. It felt like Connor was trying to conjure up a lot of feelings in his own mind towards Dustin, and maybe he did feel that way. But it just something felt off. If that makes sense, and. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. He lost, and on to the next one. It, it does feel that way. I agree. Uh, you know, I think I saw you talk about it. That first fight was so long ago at a different yeah. weight class at featherweight. It was so long ago that, as you said online, that it's like three sponsorship deals ago. That's how long yeah. ago it was <laughs> in the UFC. But I think the biggest growth you can see in Poirier was that first fight, he got completely taken out. He got rattled. McGregor yeah. got in his head. He came out crazy, and that was it. And the growth that... Dustin showed in you know 10 years of experience in the in the octagon here is how mature he is not only the preparation but getting himself right mentally as opposed to on the other side McGregor it did feel like there might have been a little desperation given that the results haven't been there for him recently that first round and as we get into the actual fight itself Jose great performance by Dustin Poirier I mean I saw the scorecards two of the judges I believe had it 10-8 yeah. Is that how you saw the fight itself, a 10-8 round? Obviously, I don't know if I'd give it 10-8, yeah. but it, he definitely clearly won the fight, The won the round. I know Connor had some moments where he was pushing the pace. He threw a lot of elbows from the bottom. He wasn't. He, he, he dropped for the guillotine, oddly enough. So I don't know if that was as deserved. Well, maybe in Las Vegas because a lot of uh, they, they, they score fights a lot differently than uh, a lot of other uh, cities mm-hmm. and states. So I would say maybe 10-8 in Las Vegas, but I had it regardless. It doesn't matter. We, every, Dustin Poirier won the round. That fight wasn't reaching the scorecards anyway, <laughs> no. regardless of whether Connor broke his ankle or not. I feel like the, the finish was imminent from either man, no matter what. So... You can argue 10-9, 10-8's all you want, but Dustin Poirier clearly won the first round. I guess I'll, I'll add to this with another question for you. I mean, obviously it's fighting. Anything can happen. We know momentum can change in fights. Did you see a path for McGregor to win that fight the way it was going uh, outside of kind of catching him and, and you know a flash knockout situation? I mean, maybe. It was only the first round. Like He clearly mm-hmm. lost the first round, but... Uh... He lost some rounds against Nate Diaz, too, when he came back and won. Dustin yeah. Poirier's looked really good, and then he's been knocked out by a fighter like Michael Johnson. Uh, he's been submitted by Habib, so I'm not going to ever count someone out in a fight, especially someone that hits as hard as Conor McGregor. But uh, after seeing that first round, it was... like I, I had that fight going in. I thought it was a lot closer to 50-50 than a lot of people. A lot of people just thought uh, uh, Dustin was just going to run through him. I didn't agree with that. 
uh, I thought it would be a lot closer, uh, especially like a motivated Conor McGregor, whatever that means. But uh, after that first round, I thought it was like 90% sure that Dustin <laughs> yeah. was going to pull it out. So, uh, but yeah, and he did fair and square. Yeah. And, um, you know, the broken ankle itself. Um, first off, I guess I should ask you, did you, when did you notice it covering it? Like at what point? Cause watching it on TV, when, when it happened, I don't think a lot of people, because they're, these are guys that hit unbelievably hard and they were standing up, they'd been finally standing up after McGregor had been on the ground. I don't think a lot of people really noticed live how bad it was. Connor knew it live, obviously. But when yeah. did you notice that, okay, not only is it just a rolled or sprained ankle, this is bad, broken situation, fight over. Pretty much when he fell down uh, and then the camera panned. Because I was up in the in the press box, so I wasn't at my usual uh, cage side seat. So I couldn't see the actual injury occur. Because like, normally I'm like 10 feet away from the action. This time I was pretty high up because there was so much media there that uh, since I was in the back, the octagon side seats were reserved for like the beat writers that needed to get their or the deadline rounds and to get the stuff out quickly. So I noticed it when he fell down and then the camera zoomed in on his ankle. So I didn't notice it when it when it when, when he kicked and stepped back. I thought he just rolled his ankle or something like that. I didn't mm-hmm. think he snapped yeah. it in half. Uh, it, it, it was a gruesome injury and it's something that we've become accustomed to seeing in the world of mixed martial arts. I mean, yeah, it's true. Unfortunately, it's true. Uh, and, and I know this was part of the back and forth between then. I, I mean, you know more than I would here, but you read and you hear fighters say Poirier wasn't the first one to say. I think even McGregor kind of mentioned it with the Weidman thing. If you if you check a kick, that could lead to something, you know, not catastrophic all the time, but it could start the process of really doing some damage. Do you buy into, right. do you, do you buy into that maybe taking place here? I know it's impossible to see. There was some some footage there but i mean i think it's very possible that could have happened i mean you can kind of see like you can see the moment connor threw a high kick uh and i think a lot of people point to the same it's one of two things either one checks the low kick and dustin pointed at him or when connor threw this high kick and like a very stupid kick from like really far away like even if he landed it wasn't going to do anything uh and and dustin like blocked it with his elbow because he blocks a lot with his elbow so basically, Connor went for a body kick, and Dustin hit him, like blocked his foot with the point of his elbow. Uh, and then when Connor stepped, he wobbled slightly. And I think in hindsight, that's I think that's where it was. I think even Joe Rogan pointed it out, uh, and I think Kavanaugh pointed it out too. Connor McGregor's coach. So uh, fair, like that, that's a technique. Dustin blocked a kick with his elbow and broke Connor's ankle. Fair, like it is what it is. It's a fair and square fight, and he yeah. won. It's an unsatisfying ending to this fight and whatever happens after. And, and all I wanted to say to Jose, it was just uncomfortable in the end. Like it was just unnecessary. And, and the, the, the words that Connor was saying after it just got to a point where I don't think anybody really, including Dana White saying after it should have never gone to that point. No. And he, the, the fact that he was like pointing at his head and saying mm-hmm. like, you can get it in your sleep. You can get it. This yeah. and that it's uh, unnecessary in the world of mixed martial arts. And I hope it uh, doesn't happen again. But with Conor McGregor, I'm sure it will, and it's just all around disappointing. Well, I do give props to Dustin, not the ending uh, for the diamond that he would have wanted, but he bet on himself. He made more money than he would have. He took the fight that really wasn't as much to, to gain other than the bragging rights of, of stopping McGregor again. Could have had the title fight. Now I think he's certainly going to have a title fight. But props to him for really backing it up and taking this and, and doing right for his family. On the other side, Jose, I mean... McGregor hasn't won in this division in five years. He's going to be yeah. 33 or going to be 33, and he's 
going to have a major surgery. He's going to have yeah. some things done. I know he had a major surgery. He says it went great, but this is a fighter coming off a major surgery when he does get back, again, motivated or not. I don't know what type of form we should expect to see from McGregor in the octagon given his age and the wear and tear now. I think it depends on who he gets. If he gets dust in a fourth time. Like right out the gate. like that's And I know he wants it, and I know he'd get it because he's Conor McGregor, but yeah. if he goes right to that, I mean, after all this, and that's his welcome back, oh, man, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it, but whatever makes – Whatever makes the fighters the most money, because as you can see, you can snap your leg in half and then you're out for a long time. Not that Connor needs the money, uh, but in a world where you kick people in the face and punch people in the face and break your ankles and get concussions, make as much money as possible. But if he gets Dustin Poirier right away, that is that is rough waters for Connor McGregor moving forward. I think there's something to the fact that Poirier, the last 10 years, you know, let's say the last seven years since losing to McGregor, I know he's had some losses in there, but fighting consistently, you know, a couple times yeah. a year, going I mean, through, course, hardening it. and sharpening his skills. And McGregor, while he shows flashes, even in this fight, it's tough to just take time off, dip back in, even when you have elite skills. I mean, it's, it really, it's, it, I think it's case by case. Mm-hmm. Some fighters don't need activity. Like Dominic Cruz has taken, what, like three, four years off of injuries, come back and re-won the UFC Bantamweight Championship over TJ Dillashaw. But then you see guys like Ryan Hall, who this past week took a lot of time off. He said he doesn't believe in ring rust. Fair play to him, but he got knocked dead uh, in this fight. And some people just need the activity. They need the minutes. They need the hours inside because the difference between fighting in the gym and then fighting in front of 20,000 people against a non-sparring partner. So maybe... Uh, maybe Connor needs that. Maybe he doesn't because we saw him take a lot of time off and then come out, come out and just dust Donald Cerrone. Uh, I know it was a Donald Cerrone that w- wasn't mentally in the fight, so I don't know. Connor is a different animal. Uh, I'm curious how much he changes up his camp uh, moving forward because he stayed in Dubai after Abu Dhabi, and I didn't see a lot of people he was training with. Uh, I think he was training at some local gym. I don't know who his sparring partners were. I'm curious how serious he takes the re- yeah. if they do the fourth time i'm curious to see how serious he takes training for it when do you think we get that uh next lightweight title fight Oliveira poirier what do you think uh probably december mm. or january i would that's say i don't think yeah i mean I, I guess he could do it quicker but yeah that's about right i would say because september's loaded up i mean august yeah. and september loaded up October will be Fight Island. I don't think they're going to do that fight in Fight Island because Dustin Poirier is a big money fight. They want that in front of like a big venue. Yeah. Uh, November is Madison Square Garden. They could do that, but I have a feeling they're going to want to put this in Las Vegas where you know people can travel. Uh, there's not as high of a inc- like state income tax or when you have when you hold the event and uh, usually the end of the year pay per views are, are loaded up anyway. Uh, Charles fought on the the, the December pay per view last year, so. Yeah. I think December 2020 or 2021, I mean, makes makes the most logical sense, especially because uh, September has, uh, I think, three, two or three title fights, maybe three or four title fights on that card. And yeah. they, Nick Diaz is on that card. I know the Jan Blahovich fight is, is going to be October, and then they haven't even mentioned November yet. So who knows? But I hope it's I'm I'm hoping it's Las Vegas in December. That's a good guess. That's a good. Uh, that's a good uh, potential outcome. Uh, Jose Young's here, MMA fighting, talking to UFC 264. The rest of this card uh, was pretty solid. 
Uh, yeah. Props to Gilbert Burns coming in as an underdog and beating Wonder Boy Stephen Thompson in a three-round decision, really controlling that fight. He needed that bounce-back win. And I know Usman's just, you know, trying, like he says, to do laps around the division. But this keeps him in the high on the rankings and was what he needed after, you know, the, the stoppage that he suffered in his last fight. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the prettiest fight by any means. It was, uh, but he did, it is what it is. He, he controlled and dominated the fight. Uh, people that have lost to Stephen Thompson are like, like Jorge Masvidal, uh, uh, Vicente Luque, Jeff Neal. Like, these are some of the best of the best welterweights in the world, and they haven't been able to crack the code of Stephen Thompson. So the fact that, that Gilbert Burns did, yes, he's not, no, he's not going to get a title fight right away, but in a very stacked, muddled welterweight title picture, I think this was the best case scenario for him. Just beat the guy. Because if you look at everyone in that top five at welterweight, Kamal Usman beat had been all of them except Stephen Thompson. Yeah. And he hadn't fought Stephen Thompson yet. And Gilbert Burns just went out there and beat him. So uh, it's a, it was a place holding performance is what I would describe it. Yeah. It makes Usman's next fight, the matchmaking that much harder uh, for sure. Um, all right. We, we have to talk about the other story, the, the other spotlight outside of the main event in this card. Uh, Taya Tuivasa, Jose. Mm-hmm. And I don't know yeah. if it was the finish. I mean, you got the finish. You got knocking out Greg Hardy, who I know a lot of people were happy to see. But you had that in addition to, I mean, the newest phenomenon in, I think, sports and entertainment, as The Rock would say. These shoeies are something else. Uh, and I'd like an esteemed journalist like yourself to break it down and, and where it's going to go and how much more of this we're going to see. Dude. I know we're going to talk about it probably near the end of it, but if the Suns win the NBA Finals, I'm going to do a shoey outside the arena for sure. You're on the hook for that, too. We've got 100% I'll do it. I will 100% do it. Uh, now, a shoey, people are just supposed to start pouring whatever alcohol they have in it. Some people even spit in it. That's which where is a I gross. draw the line. Yeah, like, that's if it's much. your shoe, okay. If it's somebody else's, uh, the, the boots kind of worry me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. Sure. And then the spitting in there, and then the guy that put hot sauce in there. I mean, like where? I don't think the end is in sight. <laughs> I just I think we're going to take it to some pretty intense places. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I know one of the guys in the crowd uh, poured hot sauce into the shoey, mm-hmm. which, as Tied to Ivasa mm-hmm. said, is a disgrace. Uh, he said that kind of ruined it. But hey, man, make it his own. He's he could be a big star. He's I don't fun. think he will. Ever, I don't think he will ever be UFC heavyweight champion of the world. But I don't think that's really his priority uh, obviously he would take the fight but he's gonna make as much money as possible and have as much fun doing it so all power to tie to Ivas. he just knocked greg hardy out dead i have not even thought about who he should fight next because i got there's too many fights that have to, ha- that have to happen yeah. in every division like, i want to see him fight a bunch of people but uh he also he, he's gonna go train at aka now uh, just to get the body so he can train with DC and Cain Velasquez and Duran Wynn and all like those really high-level heavyweights. And like I know Duran Wynn's not a heavyweight, but if you've ever seen him outside of camp, the dude pushes like two-something pounds, <laughs> and he's an inc- astounding wrestler. So, uh, And, of course, you have all the Dagestani crew rolling through, a.k.a. up in San Jose. So uh, Ty will, pro- will move up there from Australia for fight camps only and then move back to Australia between fights. So I'm curious to see how a uh, – he, he did train there before the pandemic for I think one fight and then obviously the pandemic happened so he had to go back and then travel restrictions kind of prevented him from coming back to AKA I'm curious to see how a AKA trains tied to Ivasa performs moving forward yes these 13th ranked heavyweight was going into this fight you got to think top 10s on the horizon definitely potential so. there um, fun guy for sure 
Uh, more on the heavyweight division in a second. The last one on this fight was the bantamweight fight that opened the main card. Sugar Sean O'Malley gets another win, 14-1 now with the uh, stoppage in the third round. But I think the bigger story is this Chris Motahino, uh, yeah. Jose from Milford, you know, another yeah. Northeast guy who uh, I didn't realize much. I didn't know much about him, saw the green hair, also didn't realize he was a zombie. But, man, I mean, huh. say what you want about him, being outclassed skill-wise, all of that, but he could take a punch. Oh, man. Uh, it's funny you mention where he trains. I have a few friends that are pretty high-level black belts up in, in brown belts up in New England in the Rhode Island, Massachusetts area. And when Chris Moutinho got this fight against Sean O'Malley, a bunch of them text me and they're like, he might, he's probably not, they were like, he's probably not going to win, but he will not be finished and he's going to win fight of the night. And that is exactly what happened. Now, I know he did quote unquote get finished. The referee stepped in and stopped the fight, which I had no problem with the yeah. stoppage. I understand his complaints and I understand some fighters' complaints because everyone, every fighter wants to make it to the belt. Like, you've, you've, you've all seen your Raging Bull when, when uh, he's like, oh, you didn't knock me down. I'm still standing, like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. We've seen that a million times, and I understand that. I understand Chris and fellow fighters would want that to happen, would want him to make it those last 30 seconds. I don't have a problem with stoppage. I honestly wouldn't have a problem if they stopped it after round one. He looked unconscious on his feet. Uh, but, yeah, he talked a lot of trash in there. We just we have an interview on MMAfighting.com coming out while we record this today on July 13th at 7.30 p.m., uh, tomorrow, July 14th, we have uh, an interview with Chris Moutinho where he nice. kind of goes in-depth on the fight, uh, talking about what he was saying to Sean, why he felt if it was five rounds he would have won, and this and that. So uh, be on the lookout for that because he is a, a wildly entertaining guy. He has a lot of bruises on his face, but he his words were, I'm all good, and I just want to get back in the gym and get ready for the next one. So uh, people should expect f- – I don't think he'll ever be champ, but I don't think there's any fight that you can give him that it won't be – absolutely exciting it was exciting to watch and uh I'm, I'm rooting for the kid obviously uh the toughness off the charts o'malley looking tough see where his future goes in the bantamweight division uh before we wrap up on mma and talk about a couple other things that we lead into the next pay-per-view ufc 265 that's the last thing i want to uh want to bring up with you it's only as of now i mean i see four fights on the main card but one of them is an interim interim heavyweight title fight uh, look, I, I, yeah, I, I just I want to give you the floor for this one because I'm trying to figure out a how this makes sense and b how they ripped up I guess a precedent for this division and I, and you know I'm a big Stepe guy the Cormier trilogy that took three years to crown a winner of that trilogy mm-hmm. Francis bided his time and now we're gonna go interim title fight right now um, I don't know I mean I'll, I'll I'll see it over to you how how do you think this happened I know money's the the <laughs> the driving force in a lot of this. But it doesn't seem like Francis taking that much time off, and uh, I just want to hear what your thoughts are on this curious decision to go interim strap at the heavyweight title. Well, you said it. There's a key word in this whole scenario: money, timing. Where's the fight taking place? Houston. Obviously, they're going to want Derek Lewis on the top of the card because he's a, a massive star in Houston. Uh, the interim thing is stupid. They don't need this. Doesn't need to be. An interim title. If it was just an fan, like what we just saw at UC 260 at 263, we saw Leon Edwards, Nick Diaz, or Nate Diaz. That was a five-round non-title fight. We're about to see Nick Diaz fight Robbie Lawler in a five-round non-title fight. If you really wanted Cyril Gaon and Derek Lewis to fight five rounds, just make it a non-title fight in the co-main event. Yeah, that's fine. Or if better yet, if you want to 
there's a lot of better yet because Francis Ngannou said he'd fight in September. I mean, they that's, probably that's want... what I heard, and that's that's like then yeah. it's like, what are we doing? <laughs> I think I, I think they were trying to load up that September card. Uh-huh. Uh, I know they wanted Derek Lewis on the card. I know if Cyril gone, and again, I like the fight as a fight. Like Derek Lewis versus Cyril gone, of course, freaking rules. Whether there's no title, or, whether there's a title on the line or not, I absolutely love that fight. I always am down to watch Derek Lewis uh, fight in Houston. I favor Cyril gone pretty heavily. And I do understand the UFC maybe wants to plant the seed uh, for that. Uh, if, 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 if the UK and Europe open up a bit, France and Gano and Cyril Gane used to be, uh, what, Factory X teammates in Paris, France. Like, they were teammates. They were main training partners. And then France and Gano left. He's, he split from the gym to move to Las Vegas and train in the United States and restart his career. Uh, so there's very bad blood between Cyril Gan's coach and Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou's old coach doesn't uh, Ferdinand doesn't really have many things positive things to say about his ex fighter. So maybe the UFC's trying to plant that teammate versus uh, ex teammate versus ex teammate. I don't know, but honestly, it's a, the biggest tragedy in this is it's we're that much further away from Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is the fight. You're foreshadowing is, what I'm going to say about boxing. If there's a fight, minutes, but go ahead. If there's a <laughs> if there is a more obvious fight in this world that the only there there's the only other fight that would make sense in the combat sports world, it, it's the equivalent of like why isn't Anthony Joshua fighting Tyson Fury? Like that's that. <laughs> yeah. Like and especially like Francis Ngannou versus John Jones in Madison Square Garden in November. That's not a layup. That's not a layup. That's I'm taking the hoop down and holding it. And you're going to walk up and just place the ball in the hoop. Like it's a no brainer. That prints money. That is one of those fights that that is the that could that gets be everybody. The, biggest, the do, that gets everybody in the sports sphere interested is what that is. Is the biggest non-Conor McGregor fight? That would be the biggest non-Conor fight in the history of the UFC. Agreed. In with, I will say that I am not. I am so confident when I say that. Agreed. And the fact that the UFC is not doing that is baffling because John Jones, a lot of people consider him, including myself, to be the most talented fighter that has ever stepped inside the UFC octagon. I don't think he's the greatest because that goes along with who's the most talented versus who's the greatest. For instance, I consider LeBron James the most talented basketball player ever. I think Michael Jordan is the greatest, just based on accomplishments. But if Jones wins the heavyweight title, he is both the greatest mm-hmm. and the most talented. Yeah. Yeah, George, that... The only thing that it has George St. Pierre above John Jones is the fact that he got champ champ status and he won the fight in Madison Square Garden after like a five year layoff. So Ooh. John Jones goes out there and beats. And again, Francis Ngannou has the touch of death. He touches you, and you're just your, your lights turn out. He beats Francis Ngannou in MSG. There is no question he's the greatest fighter in the history of mixed martial arts. We all want it. I don't know why we have to why we have to make it an interim title fight. I'm looking forward to the fight, but I don't like I don't like where this is going. I don't no, like me neither. Delaying of the timeline. Uh, Jose Young's MMA fighting. Speaking of delaying the timeline, boxing. I mean, again, again, we have to <laughs> deal with it now with the Fury COVID situation. He got it. His camps got the outbreak. We were not happy that they had to fight this third fight anyway with Wilder and Fury. And similar to what we were just talking I wanna, about, I want to I want to say one thing. Do yeah. you believe? Do you believe there was actually an outbreak? Ooh, we're going conspiracy theories now. Um, I don't even think it's. A cons- I don't even think it's a conspiracy theory. I <laughs> I was gonna say yes, but you know, now that I think about it, I didn't really research this too much. I guess I took a lot of headlines up there. I I have, and this is no one's told me this. Yeah, 
No one from either camp, no one in any camp, nothing. No one has told me this is all just pure speculation on my side, but I'm just connecting dots like Mm -hmm. paint by the numbers. I don't know. Like me and you know, unfortunately, Deontay Wilder is not a draw in the United States. No, especially without the belt. Right. Tyson Fury is popular. He's not popular enough to sell out the T-Mobile with by himself. Uh, especially against a guy he just knocked out, and especially against That's Deontay Wilder. Part of it. Especially the guy, Deontay Wilder's not selling this fight. Like, did you watch that press conference? He literally just sat there with his headphones on. That stare and, down and was awkward. Made that a was, mockery. Yeah, that was a he's, mockery. Just, he's already saying, he's already said Tyson Fury's preparing to cheat again. Like, those are his words. Like, he's already. This, this is. The, 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 I'm, I'm going to let you finish the, uh, the theory and, and what we For think sure. might happen. But I've been very disappointed in Deontay Wilder. People lose fights. I mean, it's one thing to be, you know, kind of Gregor like disillusion where you just block it out of your memory. That can be a little weird at times. But the cheating side of it, the side that like, you know, it was first it was the suit, first it was, you know, it was too heavy, it weighed me down, the corner thing, why'd he throw in the towel? I've just been very disappointed with how he's handled the loss. That's all I'm gonna say. Yes, it has been a mockery of the sport, and he's not doing himself any favors, and he's not doing himself any favors by not selling the fight. People won't care if you don't sell the fight. This is prize fighting after all. It's it's yeah. stupid. He has made himself unwatchable. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he hits harder than anyone in the history of boxing. Tyson Fury is still a better boxer. Easily. Now, I, I know Tyson Fury, and you know, Tyson Fury is a megastar in the U.K., he could sell at Wembley Stadium. He could sell out the O2. He'll sell out any of those. He'll sell out anywhere over there. Oh, I, have, I got it now. Yeah, go ahead. I got it now. I have a feeling. Well, it has to take place in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. But I, have, I know the travel ban is supposed to be up. The travel restrictions will, are is supposed to be lifted by their next scheduled fight in October. I have a feeling they didn't sell many tickets. And they were like, wow, no one wants to go to this fight. And it's in two and a half weeks. Let's wait so we can get some Englishmen over to Las Vegas. So that is my hunch. Again, no one's told me that, but I would not be surprised if they sold only the lower bowl. And then once the UK travel ban is kind of eased off, that everyone in the UK just swarms Las Vegas for that fight. And then all of a sudden, Tyson Fury has a home fight in Las Vegas. So this is, in this this, uh, pure speculation, obviously, in this theory... They were both kind of. It's like a under. It's a agreed by both camps that this is what we're going to go with. So they're not catching Wilder off guard here. See, that's your... the thing. I don't know. Now, I, 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 I think I don't that's know. the only way this works, though. I think that's the only way this works. And if that's the case, again, Wilder, it's like congratulations. You're going to just <laughs> agree to have way more. You're going to re- agree to have a road game now, essentially. So yeah. Um, I, either I, way, I, look, I'm looking yeah, forward to the fight only in the sense that I want the trilogy to end. And I want it to be over, and I want to finally get. It's never going to end. It's never. It will never end. Hey, Tyson Fury is already joking that he's like, when I rematch man for the fourteenth time, and I beat him for the fourteenth time, maybe the fifteenth time, maybe the fifteenth. It's the third fight, and I can't believe it's taken this long uh, to get to hopefully Joshua and Fury. That's all I want. But in the spirit of never saying never, you don't think it's ever going to end. You didn't think you'd you didn't think you'd see another fight that got announced today. I know we're going back to MMA, oh. but you've been waiting a long, long time to see yes. Mr. Diaz finally get his hands on his rival, Nick Diaz, too. Yeah, the Diaz older Diaz, I should also clarify that. Yeah, oh, man, I 
you know I'm superstitious. I it's real hard to get excited about this until they're in the octagon. Robbie Lawler gets hurt a lot. He yeah. gets hurt a lot between fights, and he's pulled out of a lot of fights. Robbie Lawler should win, but man, oh my God, I have literally been waiting for this fight for 14 years. And it's finally happening. I don't think Nick Diaz is going to have a very good showing. Like, that's just my initial thought. He, the, he would be the first fighter to completely skip the Reebok era. He fought. <laughs> I didn't Anderson, even realize that. Wow. He fought Anderson Silva. I think it was UFC, like, 183 or 182 or something like that, somewhere in there. It was, like, January or February, like, 2012, like, 20, I can't even remember, like, 2014, 2015. At middleweight, and that was before the Reebok. That was before ceremonial weigh-ins were a thing. That was before. That was like yeah, the January old like, 2015. Yeah, that was before Conor McGregor fought Chad Mendes. Now, Cain Velasquez was still the heavyweight champion of the world uh, when 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 that fight happened. So, pff, I don't. I this it's baffling that it's finally happening. But I'm excited it's finally happening. I'm curious. I'm curious if it's because his contract is up and he wants to finish out his contract and then go into the boxing world and make a lot of money because I think his brother Nate has one fight left on his contract and maybe Nick has uh, because when you get suspended your contract kind of freezes. Uh, and I think most fighters sign like you. Most fighters' contracts are you fight X amount of times or it's X amount of years, whichever one comes first. So like theor- like technically George Saint Pierre is still under contract with the UFC even though he's quote unquote retired. And then because he's not taking fights, uh, but they have they have to offer him fights. Doesn't mean he has to take it. And then after X amount of time is over, then he can be free. Maybe he goes goes and box Nick Diaz. Maybe Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor do something outside the UFC. I don't know. This is again all speculation, but it's five rounds. You give Robbie Lawler five rounds, he's going to do a lot of violent things to a man. Nick Diaz. His past interviews over the last few years have not been great. <laughs> no. He's basically been paid. He's one of those celebrities that gets paid to go party. Like, you want Nick Diaz at a club, give him some money, and he'll just show up and drink a bunch. So, uh, But he said he's in fight shape. He said he's already did practice weight cuts. He's back to be his triathlon days. So good on him for making a whole bunch of money. I'm curious which Robbie Lawler shows up, and I'm curious which Nick, Nick Diaz shows up. Out of every fight they could have made, this is the one I'm most excited for, but the one I am most confused over, over how the fight will actually play out. See if we get some Stockton slaps in there at the very least. Uh, uh, I hope so. Yeah, I can't believe he's back fighting. Uh, incredible. Uh, Jose Young's pleasure as always, but we got to let you talk about the Suns. Two games away from uh, winning uh, a title, from Jose sh- doing a shoey, and from the Valley to just really be an improbable rise for this basketball team, given where they were years ago and how nothing seemed to fall their way. They got the number one pick, Aiton. They got a guy in the draft in Booker that became a superstar. And Chris Paul showed up, fell into their lap, some would say, but became a part of this team. And now here we are two games away from the title. It's, oh my God, like the city of Phoenix deserves this so much. And I'm glad it's the Suns. I know a lot of the city has like been craving a championship for so long, but over the like last 20 years, 20, 30 years, uh, the Cardinals don't have a great like they they the Cardinals do have a dedicated fan base. I'm not I don't want to I don't want to like talk down on them. But like you go to a like if you came to Arizona and we went to a Cleveland Browns Arizona game like in Arizona, That's interesting, yeah. it would be just as many Browns fans, if not more, 
than Cardinals fans. Like if you come to a Steelers game here, it's 75% Steelers fans. Diamondbacks, if you go to like a Dodgers or a Giants or a Cubs or a Cardinals or anything, you do that in Arizona, it's going to be majority road team. The Coyotes, I don't even like they just baffle me that there's hockey in Arizona to begin with. Yeah. Now, now the Suns, though, over the span of time, they still sold out games. They had a dedicated fan base. Charles Barkley still lives here. The Suns have a legitimate fan base in, in the Valley down here. They could have left. They stayed in the same arena. They not, not, they did what the Red Sox did. They had an old arena that had a lot of history but was falling apart. And instead of moving, instead of building this new city opportunity, they just put money into the historic building that they had and completely renovated it on the inside. So... I love what they're doing for the fan base. I love what they're doing for the moves they made. And it's hard for me to get excited because I'm very superstitious, as you know. And it's so hard for me to watch every single playoff game pretty much at the same place, sat in the same seat, and I eat the same thing just Mm. in case. Just in case I, I make a mistake. So I am the city of Phoenix is... I have never felt anything like this. Like when they won the Western Conference Finals there were like riots in the street wow. like down by the arena there was chaos like the 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 scene at the airport was unreal when the suns got back and if yeah. they win i've already i've already spoken to like some of the bars and restaurants in downtown phoenix they might not even open cuz they're <laughs> afraid of the property damage oh man of what will happen if the wow. phoenix suns win so i'm oh my god my my i'm i'm getting like goosebumps thinking about it but my if the suns if the suns win you will see a video of Jose Young's doing a shoey outside the arena. I noticed you left out the uh, Diamondbacks in there, <laughs> setting yeah. a new low in baseball this year. But, but that 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 I read a crazy stat that that road losing streak they had, like the most road losses in the history of baseball. They still scored more runs than the Yankees in that stretch of time. So yeah, you're you're definitely more happy with the Yankees' oh, failures yeah. than than the Red Sox successes. I feel like it's pretty on. It's pretty even. <laughs> But the fact that it's close, see, yeah. if if the Yankees finish finish fourth, as long as the Red Sox finish three two one, I'm happy. Yeah, as long as we finish above the Yankees, the fact that the Yankees are the worst team and the Red Sox are the best team, chef kiss. That's what I do. <laughs> Here's how I knew that the Phoenix fans were legit and and ready for the finals and were were all in. Was you had a July finals game because of this you know COVID scheduling 112 oh, yeah. degrees outside in Phoenix for game one. They didn't care. It was time to watch the team play, and it was exciting to see. I like I like a little bit of intrigue in the playoffs. People were picking against some against the Lakers in the first round. They're not a team that's expected to be here. That's okay. That's I think that's why a lot of us watch sports is to see first time champions and see teams that aren't supposed to be there make that run. So I'm happy yeah, for read, for the city. I read somewhere that like this play this this series specifically, and I wish it was any other team. Because I am such a big Giannis Antetokounmpo fan, he's my—he's like my favorite non-Suns player in basketball. Um, but I read some crazy stat that this is the first final series since 2010 where the two leading scorers on each team have never played for another team. The last time this happened was when the Lakers and the Celtics played with Paul Pierce and Kobe Bryant. After that, it's always been like mm-hmm. like LeBron or. Like Kevin Durant, or it, w- it would have to be both. Because obviously Steph Curry led the yeah. team, but played the Cavaliers. LeBron had played for multiple teams by then, so yeah. it's it's. A, I think it's good for basketball too, honestly, uh, that we get a, finally get like a fresh matchup. And there's no asterisk. I don't want to hear anything about this asterisk. 
They went through the same thing every other team. They just stayed healthy. Yeah, it's an asterisk for the teams that don't make it or don't go through Seriously. the run. You know, and that's that's all ridiculous. But again, I'm I'm expecting a long series. I don't know about the Suns. Just you know, finishing it in five. I think Milwaukee's going to have something to say about it. But Phoenix is ready for a title, so hundred percent should be exciting. Uh, Jose, best of luck with everything. Continued success at MMA fighting. Uh, the projects you have there and covering fights. We will uh, we'll definitely be catching up with you at some point. But thanks for coming Sons on the show. Five. Sons and Sons Five, always oh, calling it. Okay, he's calling. I've it. been saying Sons and Five since the beginning, and I'm I, I'm like, you know what, Giannis is probably going to go off one game, which is fine because then the Suns can win at home. <laughs> perfect, perfect, Jose. Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate you. you. All right, huge thanks again to Jose Youngs, who will be absolutely forced to do that, Chewy, if the Suns win the title. But uh, props to him. More MMA on deck. August is going to be fun. September's loaded. Uh, much more to talk about with him. Check out all his content at MMAfighting.com. Now it's time to talk some baseball and some hockey with Nick Morton. We recorded this while the All-Star game was in progress. Shout out to Vlad Guerrero Jr. for winning the MVP. Lots to talk about the baseball world, the hockey world as well, with Tampa Bay going back-to-back, knocking off the Canadians. And we we even had some soccer in there, some Euros, some Messi, a lot of different things to talk about as well. It's Nick Morton now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now joining us on the Money Mitch Effect for the second time. It's been a couple months, but time number two means he's officially a reoccurring guest. It's... uh, friend of the show, friend of the program, friend of mine, Nick Morton, now uh, relocating to Florida. So on the show once, and I chased him out of California, but Nick, thanks for uh, coming back on. Yes, thanks, Mitch. Thanks for having me, man. Glad to be back. Hey, I want to say one thing first, and it's, I think it's move over Tom Brady because I think you're the new good luck guy. You move to Florida and then bam, titles happen. Yeah, hands down. Um, yeah, I think I'm definitely some sort of good luck charm. I don't know. Um, I'll definitely claim it. <laughs> claim it, and even <laughs> though you were talking about season tickets for the Panthers next year, happy that the Bolts <laughs> got Florida another title. That was, uh, yeah, no. you know, that was just a fun, it was a fun five-game series, but there was no doubt. I mean, it was, here's how I'd put it, Nick, like going into the final, Montreal was that movie you know, that, that movie script type team. It was a destiny thing. If Hollywood wrote it, they would win the title, but this isn't Hollywood. Mm-hmm. This is real life, and Tampa was the best team for a reason. They got all their guys back, and they did something I think might have been the hardest thing to do going back-to-back in this sport and doing it when they played in the bubble with the shortest offseason we've seen. So this is as impressive, dare I say, maybe even the most impressive back-to-back that the NHL scene. Yeah, no, I would totally agree. I mean, you know, I felt Tampa Bay was definitely the stronger team on paper, um, and they just absolutely proved it. You know, credit to Montreal for getting there. You know, great series against Toronto. They breezed past Winnipeg, but, you know, they just didn't have enough gas in the tank for Tampa Bay. You know, who do you want to start with in Tampa Bay? Kucherov, great as always, and Vasilevsky just going off. Um Deserved yeah. winner of the Conn Smythe is beautiful. That was the most sure thing, Conn Smythe winner. And again, all props to Kucherov, who we'll get to in a second. And Braden Point, Braden Point didn't have a goal in the final, even though he had nine <laughs> straight, you know, beforehand. So he was still in the running yeah. despite not scoring. 
Vasilevsky sure. took the mantle officially as the best goalie in hockey. I think it happened beforehand, uh, but he mm-hmm. clinched it for sure. Nick, he had a shutout in every clinching game, and if you date back to last year's final, that's five straight series where he clinched it with a shutout. That's, wow. that's just absurd. I mean, it's just there's nothing yeah. you could say but wow to that. Yeah, I think um, God, maybe it was like game two or something. He had like 42 saves. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was he was just the unbreakable wall. And when you have that kind of goaltending, it just frees up the whole rest of the team to maybe be a bit more aggressive because you know that other team's just not scoring. So I think you know it all starts from the back, and you know he was just the perfect example of just shutting it down and letting the team do do what they need to do to win. I mean, it was pretty impressive, not just that they won, that they handled it in five games, but how they did it. Uh, I heard an interview recently with John Cooper post-Stanley Cup where he talked about two years ago, you know, that, that dreaded loss to Columbus where they win 62 games and then they get swept out. The difference was in the off season, you know, the ownership took a deep breath, said we're fine, we just got to make some adjustments. They were the one team that wasn't going for the big players. They were going for third and fourth line guys, and as great as Vasilevsky is, Kucherov point we mentioned, they were picking up guys like Yanni Gord. They were picking up Pat Maroons. They were they were adding depth to their blue line, and that was the difference to me. I mean, you could you can talk about the the, the great players that they have, but you know, Goudreau scoring a huge goal uh, in game, you know, making the play in Game Seven of the Islanders mm-hmm. series. Maroon scoring yeah. and coming up big and just being an overall character. That's why they were able to to win, I think, back-to-back cups. Stars are one thing. A lot of teams have stars, but no team is as deep as them, and, and ultimately no team will be because this is the last time this Tampa Bay core is going to be together. They will have to reshuffle, but it's been a great two-year run mm-hmm. for this team. Yeah. yeah, no, it's amazing. I mean, you know, so much credit to any team that goes back-to-back in any sport, but, you know, again, especially, like you said, in the NHL, um, just how demanding it is, how long these series are. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, I, I was really surprised how quickly they went through Carolina. Um, yeah, you know, that was a bit of shock to me. But honestly, they've just been in control of every series. It's been dominant, and to be that dominant in the repeat year is, is pretty crazy, man. It's insane. Um, yeah, and all credit to, to them because what a run that was. And here's your other thing as well. Kalorn blocked a shot in game two, didn't play the rest of the series. Would have said he would have wanted to play in game six. Nick, it was a broken uh, tibula. So (laughs) they put rods in as he wanted to come back. (laughs) Insane. Uh, They were were doing nuts. Uh, You know, they were giving it their all. And, uh, you know, the way they won the last two series, the clincher games were low, one nothing win. So it wasn't just high flying. Where do you want to start yeah. with the post game and the and the and the, uh, the cup celebrations? Because there's a lot. Who, who stood out to you, Nick? As the uh, oh the my gosh, yeah, I know, man. Just to be a fly on the wall for um for those parties. Kucherov, um, Kucherov's press conference. Did you yeah. see that one? That was insane. Oh. Already probably just completely buckled because you know what I mean. You know what it's <laughs> like when you do something athletic. You play a game, the adrenaline's bump, and you probably haven't eaten anything. I can only imagine going from that to we just won time to have a good time and, and let the drinks flow to now he's sitting in the in, now he's sitting in the press room talking about how Montreal fans are ridiculous. They win one game and they act like they won the Stanley Cup final. Talking about how it was a joke that Vasilevsky didn't win the best goalie, the Vesna, pretending not to know who Flurry was. 
and then at the and then at yeah. the party just dousing the reporter with beer and uh you know having a good time he was that was a, that was a fine ovechkin like yeah, performance yeah. it was great yeah um yeah and i heard uh the cup needed some repairing oh yeah i heard there might have been a little <laughs> little with little accident uh, during the boat parade, which is, by the way, another great thing, right? <laughs> Having a boat parade like Tampa, you know, any sports oh, team yeah. win, it's perfect. Insane! You got the guys on the jet skis riding by with the cup. I mean, what a great vibe! Yeah. I mean, hockey in South Florida. Who'd have thought? You know, lovely. Yeah. And Maroon was just the star <laughs> again. He he's just great for the. You know, that's the thing. You look at even people that don't follow follow the sport necessarily hockey but follow sports. You look at Maroon and you could just tell right away, just great locker room guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's just a great character, a great um, morale boost guy. Um, yeah. I feel like he's, he's the guy you want on your team and the guy you kind of hate playing against. Yeah. Overall great character and uh, awesome to watch on and off the ice, especially with these, with these party videos. Um, great guy. Well, props to Tampa. They win the Stanley Cup for the second straight year. It was a fun postseason. Happy for them that they were able to do it in front of their fans. We'll see what next year. The last this is the last year with thirty one teams, Nick, because the Seattle Kraken are coming. Expansion yep. drafts in uh, Kraken, a little bit. <laughs> Got the expansion <laughs> draft, which I do predict that my first prediction is Tyler Johnson, born and raised in the state of Washington, will be picked on the expansion draft by the Kraken. I think he's going home. So, all right, Nick, mm-hmm. Nick Morton, Money Mitch Effect. Let's switch gears to baseball. All-Star Game is in progress as we record this. And, um, you know, I like the All-Star Game, the festivities. It's cool, uh, but it is an exhibition. It's cool to see some stuff, um, you know, and, and also just kind of reflect on the first half of the season. Only thing I want to say about the mm-hmm. Home Run Derby, Nick, is I guess I wasn't paying attention in the last couple of years because I tried to watch it last night and I had a hard time figuring out what was going on. <laughs> it was just a lot. There was a lot of numbers. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure how it worked. There may have been some uh, yeah. some devious scoring there, uh, but Pete Alonso w- wins it, so props to him. Yeah, no, um, back-to-back. Obviously, he won in uh, 2019, the last time the event was held. Yeah, it was, it was a great event. Um, you know, with with the Derby being in Colorado, you know, um, it was going to be chaos. There's just going to be bombs flying out of that park. Um, so it was a fun event. Um, it was a good event. Yeah, Pete, back to back. He's just a beast. He was vibing all night. He was he was bopping around, bouncing around all night. He was really enjoying it. So that was cool to see. And then you got to talk about Trey Mancini. Um, another great story. You know, he had to battle cancer um in 2020 so it's really good to see him back seeing um he's having one of the best um seasons of his career and for him to be able to compete in the home run derby and then make it to the final round that was that was a great story um and the the hometown guy trey uh trevor story excuse me um it's cool to see him get past that first round so give the home fans um something to cheer for in the later rounds but yeah, overall it was uh I think it was pretty good. A lot of fun. Again in Colorado, those balls are just flying out of that ballpark like crazy. Um so yeah, it was a good good event. Yeah, good for story to have his moment before they ship him out for very little return. <laughs> that's probably what's gonna <laughs> yeah. happen. Yeah, the other all star thing I had a question for you, and this shows you how, you know, whittled to some teams I pay attention. How do the pirates have two starters? 
Um, I don't know. The, I, I don't. I that division. The, the second worst I, team I, in the I, National I, League. I mean, obviously the Diamondbacks are the worst, but I mean, I just I, I was shocked to see that. But I guess you know it takes a solid starting nine. Two players can't make a difference. So yeah, that division is uh, a little a little rough at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like for for whatever reason, there's a lot more guys that either are hurt or just didn't want to participate this year in the event for whatever reason. So I think maybe guys or you know some fringe guys were able to slip in there. But yeah, um, I thought for the most part, you know the the you know who was selected is pretty good. You know that that American League team is stacked. Vladdy Jr. Um, Trout is not playing, but um, yeah. And then, of course, the big story is uh, Otani. Well, that's the thing. Starting yeah, that's the thing, Nick. The last time we talked, we were talking about Otani starting to have a really special year. Uh, it's a special year. It's gotten a lot better since the last time we talked. Yeah. It's it's iconic yeah, I mean, get, in a sense of of a home run hitter. Like he's on pace to put up Roger Maris numbers in an era where it's yeah. not happening where the average hitters hitting in the two twenties. I mean, I, I, I'm not even going to question if he can maintain it because these aren't even close. He's destroying the baseball. Yeah, no, I mean, it is, I think he's, we all had high hopes and standards for him, but I think he's what he's did in that first half. It just exceeded all expectations um, because yeah, he's just hitting these absolute bomb shots. Um, what he's doing at the plate has been crazy. And then, you know, his pitching is just just as good. We really haven't seen anything like it in baseball. And for him, you know, I think he's still, God, what, like 24, 25? I mean, this is a young kid. And to do what he's doing right now is crazy. I mean, even if he slows down, I mean, he should still get at least 50 home runs, which is just insane out, out of this world. So, I mean, he's becoming the face of baseball and well-deserved because he's just um, putting up crazy stats right now. Yeah, it's really insane uh, that Shohei, who is just still, I think he's he turned he just turned 27, but still super young. Yeah, you're right. And uh, you're right. just a beast. But again, the Angels, you know, nine games out of the division. Trump's been injured. It's been a little different uh, <laughs> in the past. But yeah, the pitching hasn't been there, and they just had another draft where they took all pitchers. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, um, yeah, the Angels. Uh, such a disappointment. It's crazy. baseball having two best players, and you're just just so bad. But yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's the American League as a whole. We talked about how it wasn't as strong before, um, and then a couple mm-hmm. notes that stand out are. You know, looking at the team, I mean, the top three, the division leaders are all so close. It's literally a half game that's separating uh, the Red Sox and the Astros from the White Sox. All three division leaders are about at the same pace. Boston, it's been Mm -hmm. a surprise season that's still going, but Tampa is finding their stride and is right on their heels. The White Sox are going to coast in that division. I mean, I'm saying that as an Indians fan, like it's just not going to happen for them. But it's the Astros again, and I know nobody likes it in baseball, but they're starting to hit their stride. Their run differential, Nick, is plus 136. And where they're getting it in particular is the pitching. I mean, I hate to say it, but their pitching has been as good as just about anybody. You'd have to put, obviously, the White Sox in there. Yeah. But Houston's pitching has been great. And they're back. I know it sucks to hear. I hate saying it, but they're back to being a contender again. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not going to show them any love, but uh, they're doing good. Yeah, they're fine. Um, probably get whooped in the playoffs, but yeah, they're having a solid year. Definitely, I just can't count them out. I just don't know who's going to. I know it's great that El Tuve was able to get his shirt taken off finally. Like, wow, I'm I'm comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't have yeah. a buzzer on underneath. Yeah, um, right, I, right, I mean, right. honestly, like one of the bigger surprises is we're talking about how weak the AL is, and the Yankees have been doing pretty bad at forty six and forty three for their payroll, for their standards. Garrett Cole can't pitch since they <laughs> since they enforced the rule. Yeah. it would seem, and uh, Chapman is just a shell of himself. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to watch what's going on in New York. I mean, Boone has definitely got to be feeling the pressure on the hot seat. I mean, they have on paper all the tools you think they would, they would need. Um, but again, pitching, you know, the old saying defense wins championships, you know, it's very true. The Yankees pitching just has not been up to par. And of course they're hitting, you know, it's just home run or bust and it's just been bust. So yeah. It's just not great for New York right now. What happened to Glaber, Glaber Torres? I remember him being the can't miss guy to watch. This is this is supposed to be like one of the next faces, next stars in the league. Two forty. That's what he's hitting this year. Yeah. All his power has been diminished, it seems. Just three home runs, twenty nine RBIs. And and for a mm-hmm. team, I mean, that strikes out so much, they, they they just can't afford to have another hole in their lineup. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I mean it's definitely a hard team to watch because again they do strike out so much um you know i feel and i feel like the yankees have had a few guys that were supposed to be the next big thing um and for whatever reason it just doesn't pan out um but yeah i i think i don't know if there's any hope for them to to even make the playoffs because they got to go through tampa bay and boston you got to figure one of those teams is getting the wild card so yeah, I mean, you know, I know it's only halfway through the season, but it's not looking good for for Yankees. Well, before we go to the National League, I do want to ask you what your what your thought thoughts are as a former pitcher. I won't I won't drop the ERA stats on everybody, but as a former pitcher, on these on these uh, enforced checks that have made baseball even more ridiculous in 2021. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been kind of a circus. Um, but, you know, if the MLB is really in kind of desperation mode because, you know, league average for batting is about like 240, um, which is absolutely terrible. And, you know, with the sport being in decline for many years and as far as popularity, um, you know, I think the league is just desperate to have more guys on base, more hits, more home runs. And so if cracking down on this, substance of spider tack is what's going to get us there then okay um i think enforcing these rules you know mid-season just kind of like hey next week we're going to start doing this i think that was crazy and just poorly poorly executed um yeah it's been pretty funny to see some of these uh pitchers reactions um scherzer had some great reactions (laughs) Um, as well <laughs> yeah, yeah stripping down yeah i mean it was it was a bit of a circus um definitely within that first week but um you know long term you know we won't know until maybe the end of the year two years down the road but long term if it helps then 
good for baseball, good for the sport. But yeah, just how it was, it's been executed has been kind of crazy. I agree. It's hard. It's something that needed to be done, but not mid season. I mean, that's just kind of insane. Rob Manfred in in a nutshell there, uh, Nick Morton, money, Mitch effect, uh, moving out of the national league and looking at your, your NL West and your Dodgers, I mean, I think I'm I'm surprised because I thought they'd be a couple games out of the division, but I thought it would be inverted and it would be San Diego, who's kind of stumbled, had some injuries, dropped to third, still very much in it. But the Giants, mm-hmm. 57 and 32, best record in the National League, best record in baseball, and not yeah, really going anywhere as of yet, at least. Yeah, crazy, crazy. You know, this division usually sees – a contender that lasts a few months into the season. And it's usually Colorado. (laughs) Yeah, Arizona is terrible. Um, You know, there's usually teams that stick around. They look really good for the first few months and then fall off. But, you know, I hate to say it, but credit to San Francisco. They have just keep winning ballgames. And, yeah, I I definitely thought they would drop off by now. Um, I still know that we're going to win the division, but, you know, it's uh, good to see, uh, you know, a lot of competition. Um, yeah, San Diego, I think they can bounce back. I think they're about six games six games out of first place right now. But, um, you know, they can easily go on a run. Um, and these teams play each other so much, you know, anything can happen. It's, I'm sure it's going to flip-flop, you know, a bunch and come the end of the season. But, um, yeah, what a fun division. You know, a lot of good characters, obviously San Diego, um, they got Tatis, Manny, great team, fun to watch. And, um, you know, Dodgers are just the Dodgers. I mean, solid. I mean, some would say this has been a somewhat bad year for us. Um, we haven't been great, but we're still, you know, second, second in division, second best record, uh, second most wins. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's what it's a very fun division. Yeah, you'd like to see, you know, obviously Bellinger, but also Lux probably step up, you know, get a little better in the second half of the season, raise that average a little bit. And uh you don't want to yeah. make you don't want to make light of everything but the anything at all, but the Bauer situation, it's been tough and we'll see what happens with that. It's something to monitor. Obviously the team having to mm-hmm. scramble uh to fill his spot in the rotation temporarily. I think it's going to be a fun division, and the more likely scenario is you look at how poor these other divisions are as three NL West teams, you know, that, that wild card game being two of them. So yeah. it's very, very yeah. possible. And I also know that Astros-Giants will make you puke as a World Series, like your worst-case scenario. Um, no? Yeah, I, uh, I'm not going to be able to watch, I don't think, okay. a single inning of that series. So I'll be tuning into, I guess, the NFL or college football. <laughs> Mode, some MLS tournament will probably be going on then. You can watch that. So, yeah, I will literally watch curling um, if, if that's the, the World Series. Um, yeah. Hey, the other thing I was going to throw in quickly, have you seen a just epic collapse like the Chicago Cubs recently? Yeah, you know, they started <laughs> off bad and then they went on this like pretty good run and then it's just been complete downward which i which i'm pretty happy to see i don't know i'm the cubs were just kind of annoying for me so it's nice to see them come back to reality a little bit um and i think they just need to they just need to sell maybe sell chris bryant or i don't know if he's coming up in free agency or not but they need to restructure a little bit 
Yeah. But yeah, I'm kind of, I'm happy to see it as a Dodgers fan. Yeah, since uh, since that, if I have this right, since that game they beat the Dodgers in the first of the four game series, they're two and thirteen. Dodgers took the next three, and they went two and thirteen from there on out. So that is what we call sliding into the All Star game. And then unfortunately, <laughs> and then unfortunately, unfortunately, the Acuna injury happens, and that's just brutal for for the Braves, obviously. And then baseball, seeing yeah. one of the young stars go down like that. You watch the replay and you mm-hmm. see that it happened before he hit the wall. Just terrible, terrible stuff. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate, you know, especially for Atlanta making the NLCS. Last year they had extremely high hopes. Um, you know, that East Division is always tight. You know, I won't say those teams are great, but they're all they're very competitive with the Mets, Phillies, Nationals are always in there. And obviously the Braves going on the run they had last year. Um, that division is tough because, you know, those teams are so competitive with each other. Um, everyone just kind of beats up on Miami. But, um, yeah, it sucks for Atlanta. I know they had high hopes for themselves. And, um, yeah, like you mentioned, sucks for the game of baseball um, to see one of the best guys go down like that. But uh, hopefully he's able to make a quick recovery. We're definitely all hoping for that. Nick Morton, pleasure chatting with you on the Money Mitch Effect. Last thing, I, I didn't tell you I was going to talk about this, but I did watch the shootout, at least, of the Euro Cup. And I got to say, I got to say, that, that net seems a little too big for them not to be scoring just about every time. <laughs> I mean, Italy's goal was pretty big. It was mental. Um, you it was also mental, have though. The, That's what the, I, 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 I get misses. Well, yeah. I'm going to cut you off, but like I get misses. It happens. But these guys are too good, mm-hmm. obviously, best in the world at what they do and in great shape, so it's not a fatigue thing. It's a, It's got to be mental, right? Like to not score in that no. situation, the nerves get to you. Absolutely. And, and the last three guys for England were um, 23 years old, 21 years old, and the last guy who missed was 19 years old. Um, so you really have to ask why those – and two of those guys just came in for the penalty shootouts. So they didn't even play in the game. Um, so I think it's really just down to the manager um, why you're bringing in these two guys who are cold to this huge, biggest moment of their lives. And then you have the 19-year-old shooting last. Um, you know, you got to give credit to them because they were brave enough to step up. But, yeah, I'm sure they were just – just shaking in their boots, man. I mean, what a big moment. Unfortunate for them in their young careers. But, um, yeah, it was intense, man. Fun tournament. Fun, it, fun tournament. It was. Uh, I I got to say, Italy annoys me just as much now as they did 15 years ago in the <laughs> World Cup. Yeah. But as far as, and I give you and other people, you know, crap for this about sometimes soccer can be a little boring. This game was, I think, extra boring because the worst thing happened where a team, England, scored early, and then they just said, let's just play prevent. And some are arguing, some people smarter than me, obviously, that they sat back a little too much in that second half, you know, as opposed to just being a little more aggressive. I don't know really what I'm talking about, but that's what I've heard from no, smart no, soccer No, no, you're right. No, you're not too right. The way, the way they set up the team, um, they, they call it like five in the back. So basically you're playing with – you know, five guys in the back line, you're really just parking the bus. So they really went out there to, to not lose instead of win. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. You know, some will say, you know, they're trying to match the tactics of Italy, but, you know, they have enough enough quality in the forward positions that should, and they're at home. They should have been on the front foot. They shouldn't went out 
shooting, offensive-minded. But, yeah, they were extremely happy to just sit back and and try to not lose instead of win. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, Italy, easily the team of the tournament. They had the much better run. They beat all the better teams. Um, they were dominant. So I was I was happy to see them win. Italy, the Euro Cup champs. Very last thing. Does this other tournament that I can't even remember the name of is that is that do enough to clinch Messi as the goat winning that one? The Copa yeah. something. Um, so he finally finally gets his. Wow, it does. Uh, so that's it. That, that's what did trophy. it. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, because uh, you know Ronaldo won his international trophy, but Messi finally got his. Um, they lost two finals in a row, so they finally won it. Um, yeah, man, that was. I think everybody was happy about that one. So good for Messi. Finally, the goat. End of discussion. Um, no room for debate. The greatest of all time. I'm just so glad something good finally happened to this guy. I mean, he only makes a hundred and some million right. a year. I'm just so glad he finally got I mean, a break against all the odds. Right. I it's mean, just, finally, it's like so finally. inspiring. All right, Nick Morton, fun stuff. I'll probably catch up with you before the baseball season ends, but uh, thanks for coming on The Money Mitch Effect, becoming a reoccurring guest, and uh, best of luck with everything. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Mitch. It was a good time. That will do it for today's show. Huge thanks again to both guests, Jose Young and Nick Morton. Hope everybody out there continues to enjoy the podcast. That can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Subscribe, leave a review, a rating. It's that simple. Check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page. Follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. Next week, we'll be recapping the NBA Finals and the FIBA USA basketball team that's struggling. Might need to get into some Olympic talk as well. And uh, more baseball, more fighting, more sports, Ray John. And we are only a couple weeks away from training camp starting in the NFL. Great, great time to be a sports fan. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, keep enjoying sports.